0: Today on News 4 at 4. It's one of the most anticipated lists of the year. Consumer Reports' top new vehicle picks. Susan Hogan is working for you, showing you the safest, most reliable cars for your money. Today at 4 p.m. on NBC4. Many kids in our area are back to in-person learning, and we are helping you keep them safe in the classroom. We're working for you. Small steps you can take at home to protect them at school and expert advice to ease anxiety for you and the kids. This week on News 4 Today on NBC4 the madhouse chicago hockey podcast postgame show is brought to you by triple threat sports Marishka's in crest hill chuck's southern comforts cafe rabid brewing in homewood illinois and by michael elwood of remax first service here are your hosts, NBC Chicago's James Naveau and 670 the Scores hockey guy, Jay Zawoski. Let's drop the puck.
1: That's right, Disembodied Voice. This is the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast post game show. My name is James Naveau from NBC 5 Chicago. And yes, hockey fans, tonight I am joined by Homewood's Pride and Joy. Gee, Zawoski of 670, the score to discuss a 5-4 victory for the Chicago Blackhawks that really, it it felt like a really annoying loss that they just so happened to get two points for. Like, I'm still scratching my head over the last 20 minutes of that game and trying to decide what the hell I just watched. Well, the first 40 minutes was really good. it was great. It was fantastic. They were playing great defense, and Corey Crawford looked good, and they were scoring, and then things kind of went to crap, including Corey Crawford.
2: (laughs) Uh, Too Uh, soon. uh, Rest in peace, Corey Crawford's bowels. Well, I mean, should we start with the good or start with the bad? There's there's definitely some of both to get to. Um, You've got to like the way that the Hawks started this game. They came out awesome. Dominating the Leafs, they had Jeremy Roenick kind of calling them out, saying they weren't interested in playing, they didn't care, it was uh, blah blah blah, you know, uninterested in in participating in the game, and it did have that kind of a feel to it where the Leafs just looked uninterested, they looked like they didn't want any part of this game at all, maybe sort of assuming they were just going to walk through the Hawks, and I don't wanna you can't I, I I think it's unfair to say, well, the Leafs just decided to start playing. No, the Hawks played really well for the first, what, forty nine minutes, forty eight minutes of this game. Then yep. Toronto gets a lucky bounce or two and they're right back in it. And when they have an offense like that, and the Hawks have a defense like they have, and Calendelia comes in, um, it's one thing to come in cold. It's another thing when you're up five to one and you've already assumed like, well, I'm not – there's no chance in hell I'm coming in this game. You know, like most games, like, okay, it's a two-goal game. Anything can happen. You never know. I might get called in to action. But when you're up 5-1, you're pretty much got your feet up. And for him to restart the engine – I don't want to give him that built-in excuse, but, uh, man, that game just turned on its head quick, and the Hawks just able to hang on uh, in the – I mean, the last three minutes felt like
1: four hours. Yeah, it it really did. It literally felt like it was never – the clock was never going to hit zero is what it felt like. And it just felt so inevitable that the Leafs were going to tie the game. And if that period had been 20 minutes and 30 seconds, they very well might have, but we're not going to talk about the bad right away. I don't think. And I do have some thoughts on Colin Delia. I'm not feeling quite as charitable as you are, but let's start. Let's focus on the good here because I think there was plenty of that. There's two guys tonight that, obviously continue to really stand out the way that they've been playing lately. And we're going to start with Brendan Perlini, who I believe now has seven goals in six games has just been playing like his hair's on fire. He has been a delight to watch on both ends of the ice. He's been, you know, getting the puck, he's been getting into open space, firing shots from all angles. Like he's just been a dynamo lately. And it's not something I really anticipated that we would see from him very much when they acquired him from the coyotes, but and, and I know he's not going to continue playing this way. There's right. no way he's going to be able to sustain this level of production. But that intensity, that drive, I feel like he can sustain that. And frankly, I'd like to see more of it because I'm really impressed with the way he's been playing lately. I've really I've enjoyed watching Brendan Perlini the last like six or seven games of the Blackhawks and got to give him a lot of kudos for the way he's been playing definitely
2: three more points tonight and i was at the game the hat trick game the other night which was awesome he played fan he could have had four games in that goal four goals in that game easy here's my i've been thinking about perlini a lot lately like why all of a sudden can this guy find this other level and all i can think of is brian bickle where you would see times where bickle would just dominate the game and he would dominate play and this is before you know, the last couple years where he was trying to figure out what was wrong with him. This was during Brian Bickle's prime where you'd see three, four, five games in a row where he would just absolutely go balls out, balls at a wall, unstoppable, power forward uh, with a nice, he had a great wrist shot just like Perlini, and then he'd disappear for 10, 15 games at a time, and that was the frustrating thing. So while I'm super encouraged with Perlini right now, what's changed? Yeah, he's on a better line. That helps. That certainly plays a role. Um, but he's playing with speed I haven't seen him play with. He's playing with confidence I haven't seen him play with. Maybe that's it. Maybe he just needed some things to go right because moving to a new team, he was probably pretty comfortable in Arizona, Uh, and now with Drake Kajula going down, he's gotten that chance to get back in the lineup and play some top six minutes, and he's made the most of it. And look, if he's closer to this than what he was for the first two-thirds of his time here, uh, that's really, really good news for the Blackhawks because you can never have too many you know big forwards that can score and Perlini has shown uh you know it's not like they're just hitting him in the button going in he has created almost all of the goals he's scored with his speed with his shot uh they are not fluky they are nice goals and uh, he's playing really really well so let's hope something even close to this level can last uh in the rest of his
1: tenure here with the Hawks however long that is you, you said a couple of things that I do want to hit on. One is that you can never have too many good forwards, and that's especially true when you're heading into an off season where you're going to have to sign at least a couple of defensemen because this defensive core is just an absolute wreck, and they need all sorts of help basically everywhere because I, I cannot pinpoint a guy on this team right now that I consider to be a top two quality defenseman in the NHL. I just, I don't see it. So they're going to have to go out and they're going to have to get at least one guy like that. So it's going to really help to have a guy like Brendan Perlini around if he can continue to kind of play with this kind of intensity. And that's another thing I wanted to address with what you said was that to me, I think there's two likely theories on why Perlini's playing so well right now. One, it could just be An issue of confidence. You know how it can go sometimes. Sometimes you're just snake bit and you can't get the puck in the net. Nothing seems to be going right for you. And then all of a sudden you get one. And it's like the lid's taken off the basket, so to speak. You're just going to pour goals in from everywhere. You're going to play. You're going to be brimming with confidence. That could potentially be what's happening with Brendan Perlini right now. Or it could be that Brian Bickle thing where the whole key with him is just to get him locked in. Because once you get him locked in, he's going to obviously go off. And just finding that level where he can be engaged in the game at all times and play with that intensity and that speed and that fire, you know, like that's, I guess, going to be the key with him moving forward. And it's going to be interesting to see which of those theories is – excuse me, got a little bit more uh, validity to it. The other guy that I did want to point out is a guy that you have shouted out on multiple occasions this season. I really liked the way Dylan Strom played tonight. He had a couple of assists in the game, uh, or three assists in the game, actually. And I've just, I've really been liking the way that he's been kind of facilitating for his uh, teammates, especially Alex DeBrenkitt, who scored his 38th goal tonight. Just another really strong game from Dylan Strom. And I just cannot, Stress enough how impressed I've been with him ever since he came to the Blackhawks. He has just taken his game to another level, and without him, they're not even sniffing the playoffs the way that they are right now. Yeah,
2: you're right. Uh you know how much I've loved doing Strom since the day they brought him in. I've been exceedingly impressed with him. And uh someone, damn it, I meant to mention this in a long podcast the other day. Someone did a one of those stat people, you know, uh, I don't know, one of the hockey stat people did something like Dylan Strom is having the most unsustainable season in the league. Something like that, <laughs> like with his shooting percentage and just every, all the things factored in. Um, so it's he's not a point-per-game guy. I don't think it's a fair projection for him. But he's still been great, and that's what he's produced. You can only judge him by what he's actually done, not what yeah. the numbers project he'll do. Two guys I want to mention. Uh, mentioned Dominic Cahoon a lot in the last podcast. I think he had another really strong game tonight. Just um, his game has seemed to sort of turn a corner. Uh, over the last month or so here where he's uh, I don't know if he's just catching on or catching up to the speed or he's found some chemistry uh, on his line but he looks like a different player than he looked at early on and there were some there were some signs early on that he'd be a nice piece but he's fitting right in there on that top six uh, performing well setting up some really nice plays uh, got some nice scoring chances tonight as well so I like what I've seen from him and Dylan Secura had a really solid offensive game tonight just controlling the puck in the zone, nice stick handling, nice passing, finding himself in the right spot. Um, fed the goal out in front to was it which goal was that? The where he fed out from behind the net. Um, I'm I believe on that it.
1: was the uh, Brandon Sod goal.
2: That's correct. That was the Brandon Sod goal. Sakura so behind the net makes a hit, makes the play, gets the puck out to uh, Sod, and it felt like. Today might be the game where he had his first goal. There was Ugh,
0: two I was chances.
2: Say yeah, that, man. Dude, he had two chances right in front. Uh, one was early on in the game, and uh, it, it was Anderson at the time made the save. And then in the third period, he was all alone in front and just kind of mishandled it. Um, it's coming. It's coming. If he keeps playing the way he's playing, uh, he's going to eventually get rewarded. There was a long span this year where I would see him play and just not even really notice him. He was barely a factor on the ice. He has. Yep uh he's taking a step up he's playing with more speed with with the puck more often and again playing on a better line is a big part of that of course um but I like what I've seen from him I I get that feeling that once he gets that first one the second third and 4th they're just going to follow very quickly uh but I'm very encouraged by what I've seen from him uh in the last little bit here he's really seemed to step up his game a little bit and uh it's got to be it's got to feel nice to get that vote of confidence from Cowton to play on that top line and get those those minutes with those great players uh, with Saad and Taves. Um, anyone would be happy to do that. And I think for a guy who's struggling, a young guy that's struggling, just put the puck in the net, that's got to be a really nice vote of confidence for him from Jeremy Cowton. I think you take that opportunity to run with it. We've seen Perlini do it with his opportunity since Kajula's been out, and we're seeing Strom, er, Strom I'm sorry, Secura do it since he's gotten placed on the top line so um that's the good news <laughs> now yeah. let's get to the bad news uh it's just i don't, I, you I know don't really want to think about it right now man? a guy who i really had good feelings about early and suddenly have not great feelings about at all is carl dahlstrom that yeah. dude has regressed massively Um there he's just not very good and I don't know if he's going to get much better than he already is yeah he'll pick up some tricks here and there he'll gain some savvy just from experience but there's nothing in his skill set that tells me you know he's not overly fast he's not overly strong he's not a great defender he doesn't have great offensive instincts so maybe if he's your number five or number six you can live with it but they've got him out there as like their top you know, defensive pair with Connor Murphy and more often than not I see number 63 uh, just f- you know, s- flailing in his own zone trying to find his feet trying to find the puck trying to get the puck out and it's not good it's just it just hasn't been good uh, from, from Carl Dahlstrom in a while here so that's a big concern for me and just the defense as a whole it's no secret but man the last you know uh, 18 minutes or so of that game it was just insane the Maple Leafs how many shots did they have in the third period? I'm waiting for the final thing to cross here. They had 30 shots in the third period. Yeah. That's shots on goal. 30.
1: They had Not shot attempts. Yes. Shots.
2: Shots on goal. 30 shots on goal in the third period. Uh, They had a 48 in the game. So 9-9-30. Nine, nine, the Hawks finished the game, a game they played well offensively in, with 39 shots. That just shows you how insane that third period rally from the Leafs was and the Hawks could do nothing to stop it they could do nothing to defend it it was just a god forbid please let the clock run out and that's exactly what happened because the Haw- when the clock when the horn blew the Leafs were getting another chance set up <laughs> and it was a matter of seconds so another one followed it just like you said it it felt like the game was never going to end and uh, fortunately, the Hawks uh, get out with the win, 5-4, they are now 31 30, and 9 so Pat Foley would tell you, oh, they're over 500.
1: Except they're not.
2: They're not. They're not over 500. <laughs> um, but hey, whatever Pat wants to say, it's fine. So
1: Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. Um, but yes, I absolutely agree with both of the guys that you highlighted, uh, especially tonight. Carl Dahlstrom have not been liking the way that he's been playing for the most part lately, and you're absolutely right. His deployment indicates that he's a probably a top-two defenseman. I think the last couple of box scores I had looked at, he had the most time on ice of any Blackhawks defenseman. Tonight, he uh, checked in just behind Duncan Keith and Eric Gustafson. Yeah, 22-30 yeah, um, yeah, I mean, tonight. He's been up there, man. Like he's been playing a lot of minutes, just is not playing well enough to justify getting the minutes that he has been. I've liked the way that Jeremy colladin has been using Brent Seabrook lately been playing him like 15 or 16 minutes a game. And that's it. That's fine. Brent Seabrook actually has been playing a little bit better lately as a result of that. I think had seven block shots tonight had three shots on goal. So Jeremy Colladen definitely doing something with Brent Seabrook. I think it's working at least to an extent But, man, he just has very limited options on that blue line. The cupboard is really bare there right now. And, boy, it'd be really nice if we had a first-round pick down in the (laughs) minors that could potentially come up and Hmm. log some of those top four minutes that Carl Dahlstrom's just kind of pissing away. Boy, Jay, wouldn't that be nice?
2: Uh, What are you going to do? You
1: Uh, know what I am going to do? I'm going to insult Colin Delia. And I'm going to do it. By asking you a very simple question, Jay. Hold on. Before you do that, I want to mention something real quick. Okay. Hold that thought. Um, Because
2: I wanted to mention this on the next long podcast, but that probably won't be till the end of the week or early next week. And I know I'm going to forget. You mentioned Brent Seabrook. You mentioned him playing better. I had some of the best seats I've ever had at the Hawks game the other night against the Coyotes. And I made a point to watch Brent Seabrook when he's on the ice that dude, for what he lacks in physical ability anymore and speed, he is the absolute general on the ice of this team. He is talking to everyone. He is setting up a face-off positioning for the defenseman, for the goalie. He is absolutely in charge when he's on the ice, more so than Taves, more so than Keith, more so than anyone. Brent Seabrook, is the guy on the ice who is influencing most things like from a coaching leadership standpoint. It was really impressive to watch him just sort of command uh the way things happen on the ice. I'll get into it more next long podcast if I remember try to remind me. But man, you know, you forget like we can watch Brent Seabrook make his mistakes on the ice and see him get, you know, chasing a chasing a forward he can't keep up with anymore or turning the puck over or whatever these these physical mistakes or these physical shortcomings he has. But mentally, that dude is on top of things. And I was I came away really impressed with the way he controls the entire thing when he's on the ice. Uh, very, very impressive. But that's neither here nor there. We'll get to that later. I just wanted to bring it up. So hopefully I don't forget uh, the next long one. But you wanted to go ahead and rip on Calendelia, so the floor is yours, my friend. <laughs>
1: Well, for, first of all, I am just going to have one response to your uh, your comments there, and I am going to say that I think Brent Seabrook is far and away, not even close, the most likely Blackhawk to become a head coach at some point in the future. Him or Taves. Like That dude is just such a vocal leader, and he's just been such like a cheerleader for this team, getting everybody fired up. And like you said, he's got a really good knack for how to position guys. And basically in every area of the ice, I could easily see him with a whiteboard in hand, just teaching guys the finer points of this game. So I could see him definitely being a coach in the future. Okay, enough good feelings, Jay. (laughs) I've had enough of this. All right. I have a question to ask you. Yes. When is the last time that Colin Delia allowed fewer than three goals in an appearance? I don't know. Well, today. It has, it has been two <laughs> months. Last did it on January 14th against the New Jersey Devils, and yet there is a qualifier for this because he only played 19 minutes in that game. Mm. The last time Colin Delia started a game and only gave up two or fewer goals, you have to go back to December 29th, his third start in the NHL. Including tonight, he has given up three or more goals in 13 of his last 14 games. Oh, I thought you
2: said fewer than... I thought you said, like, less than... Like, three or less. So, that was, tonight was... Oh, my God. that That is... That's really bad. And... For much of the third period, and this is obviously not all on him, there were shots going by him that he didn't see. He Absolutely flat out just not. never saw them coming. He would turn his head and like, whoop, what that hit the that hit the wall behind me. What happened? Yeah, well they're shooting at you, Colin. That's that's what's happening. <laughs> that that is their job. You should respect that.
1: <laughs> right. And look Jay, he gave up three goals in eight minutes against the freaking Ottawa Senators. Yeah, that's hard to do. They're really that just as a spoiler alert for our viewers oh, who may not have looked or listeners who may not have looked at the NHL standings lately the Ottawa Senators are what we call in the business bad
2: tell me more yes you're you're right about that speaking of uh, the standings i'm watching the devils and oilers right now the devils have a one nothing lead however this is a podcast and none of that matters because people listen whenever they want so ignore that stupid comment of mine
1: um also brandon manning was a healthy scratch for the bakersfield condors <laughs> Just letting you know. (laughs) That's awesome.
2: (laughs) Oh, boy. Yeah, but they weren't sabotaging Q.
1: Anyway, you ready for the three stars of the game, my friend? I I do believe that I am ready, and I am psyched for this awesome segment.
2: All right, on the other side of this break, you will hear the three stars of the game on the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast.
0: 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. Is that Shakespeare? Nope, it's Geico. Uh, Yeah, 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 that's Shakespeare from one of his unpublished works. The three stars of the game are brought to you by our star real estate broker, Michael Elwood of Remax First Service. Serving all your real estate needs in the Chicagoland area. 708-675-1600.
2: Number three star of the game goes to Brent Seabrook. 15 minutes and four seconds of ice time seven block shots a solid game for brent seabrook surprising that we give it to a defenseman tonight but if any defenseman deserved it it was number seven
1: got to agree with you um the way that like i said earlier jeremy collidan has been deploying brent seabrook lately i've been really uh digging that i think it's having a positive impact on seabrook's play yeah he's still making the occasional mistake here and there but for being a fifth or sixth defenseman, as his minutes would indicate, I think he's been playing pretty solidly lately. And I'll go ahead and I'll give him credit on what was otherwise just a night to forget for the Blackhawks defense.
2: Number two star goes to Brandon Saad, a guy who's put together a really solid season kind of quietly. He's really been solid lately, a goal and assist, uh, two hits as well. A uh, good game from Brandon Sod. Again, we mentioned that goal set up by Dylan Secura with a nice pass behind the net. But that when Brandon Sod's effective, that's where he's standing, right in front of the goal, waiting to put the puck in behind the goalie. So uh, another strong game from Sod. And number one star, no surprise, Brendan Perlini, a goal, two assists, three shots on goal, and a block shot. He continues his hot streak. Hopefully, he can keep it going for the rest of the year because if the Hawks are going to get into the playoff race, uh, they're in the race. But if they're going to get in playoff position. Uh, they're going to need everyone, all hands on deck, contributing uh, to this run. So uh, another great game for Brendan Perlini.
1: Yep, and, and again, again, a guy that we've been praising up and down lately and well-deserved. He's been playing excellent his last couple of weeks. And like you said, I definitely think that we need to give some more credit where it's due for Brandon Sod on this podcast. Just quietly having a really good season. It's kind of getting lost in the shuffle with... How well Jonathan Taves has played, the MVP-type numbers Patrick Kane's been put up. By the way, Patrick Kane had 100 points tonight, didn't he? Yeah. Yeah, man, it's just unreal that he's hit 100 points with this many games left to go. And then also, just a little nugget for the listeners, uh, Alex Dobrynkit scored his 38th goal of the season tonight. He needs six more goals the remainder of the season. He will be the Blackhawks' all-time leader in goals scored before the age of 21, I think it was, or best season by an under twenty one Blackhawk or something to that extent. But yeah, he's been obviously having himself quite a season too. Sorry,
2: Kane has ninety nine points. Oh, I thought he was away.
1: I thought the two was enough for a Hundo tonight.
2: He only had one tonight. One assist tonight. For
1: Patrick, ESPN Kane. showing that he had two. Oh,
2: ESPN—they know hockey. Um,
1: hey, man, NH- <laughs> do not under any circumstances go to NHL.com and tell me about the validity of their statistics. All right,
2: well, that's—they have one assist for him there, so we'll see how it plays out. So he's either got ninety-nine or hundred points. Uh, He's going to get
1: a hundo. I'm going to go ahead, and I'm going to put a little bit of money on that, that all right. I will. Yeah,
2: I think you're safe, saying he'll get one more point in the next 15 games or whatever it is, or 12 games. <laughs> all right, so as of this moment, as of 9, 10 p.m. Central on March 13th, the Blackhawks are four points out of a playoff spot. They have 71 behind Colorado with 72, Minnesota with 74, and Arizona, who holds the final wild card spot, has 75 uh phoenix i'm sorry arizona and minnesota both play tomorrow the uh the avalanche play on friday hawks next play on saturday Uh, all of those teams i mentioned have played 70 games now so they are right there the oilers the aforementioned aforementioned oilers are now tied with the devils 1-1 they have 69 points and a game in hand on the blackhawks so it's going to be a tight race but look if the hawks keep playing like they played the uh, the first hundred minutes of their last uh you know 120 minutes they're going to be in pretty good shape so um with that let's wrap things up want to thank our sponsors triple threat sports for all your team outfitting needs call chris 708-478-6090 mariska's and crest hill family owned and operated since 1933 chuck's southern comforts cafe with locations in burbank and darien visit chuckscafe.com Rabbit brewing the time has come for you to drink mythological level craft ales visit the southland legend Ravid brewing in homewood illinois and of course our star real estate broker michael elwood with remax first service 708-675-1600 that's going to do it for this edition of the madhouse chicago hockey podcast post game show hawks win 5-4 in toronto for my partner james Navo, i am jay zawoski thanks for listening to the madhouse chicago hockey podcast
0: Schedule your free product tour right now at NetSuite.com slash play. NetSuite.com slash play. Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G. Because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from RootMetric's second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement.